<laughs> How is everybody tonight? I'm giving you a minute. People are still taking their seats. Y'all got to get close. Are you afraid to get close? There's always so many seats between you, but there's a lot of people in the back. We put out more seats tonight. All right, all right. Before we jump into the message, I want to uh, talk to you a minute about something that's coming up in two weeks called Friendsgiving. Yes. How many of y'all are signed up? Let me see your hands. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Some of y'all are coming to my house. You don't even know it's my house. You just picked an address. That's fine. Um, if you are not signed up for Friendsgiving, let me tell you what it is, and then I'm going to tell you why you should sign up. So in two weeks on November 21st, we will not have C12 service here as we generally do, all right? Here's what we will be doing. We will be gathering in homes at different places in our community where there'll be anywhere from 25 to 50 of you gathered in that home that you sign up for, and you're gonna have a Thanksgiving meal together. It will be a full Thanksgiving meal, all the things. All the things you imagine happening at Thanksgiving will be on the table, and you'll be hosted by some wonderful people and some volunteers that'll be there to help serve. And what we want to help you be able to do is to form community and to connect and to get to know each other better as C12 continues to grow, and I mean, we're even putting more seats out tonight. Sometimes you can come in and it can be hard to find your people. It can be hard, you know, to, to come in and figure out who and where you belong to, what group you belong to. So we are giving this a shot. We want to see if we can't help you um, do just that. But let me give you an even higher view. Let me give you, um, if that is a 20,000-foot view of why we're doing it, let me give you a 40,000-foot view of why we're doing it. So I want to read you a verse from the book of Acts. If you've never read the book of Acts, y'all, you should read it. There's some crazy stuff in Acts. It's about the birth of the church, like when the church first started. It's crazy. You should read it. And then you know what you should ask yourself? Why don't I see this stuff in the church today? That's what you should ask yourself. But let me tell you what they did when the church first began. All right? Here's a verse. It's from Acts 2, verse 42. It lists. This is, it's describing to you the activity of the church. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, which we're doing here tonight. Then it says, They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They literally committed and covenanted amongst themselves that they would gather together over meals. Because having a meal in biblical times was considered sacred. In fact, culturally, you were not allowed to sit down and break bread or have a meal with anyone if there was anything between you that was negative. In fact, a sign of breaking bread, it meant that you were in unity and that you were about the same things in life. Now, we've lost that 
in our culture, and, we, and, it's, and it's lost some of its meaning. But that's why when Jesus had the Last Supper with his disciples, and he gave them bread, and he gave them wine, y'all, it wasn't because that's just what they happened to have on the table. What he was saying when he served Peter, when he served Judas, do you know what he was saying? I'm okay with you. You're going to betray me, and you're going to walk away from me, and I'm, and I'm breaking bread with you. And so when you do that, you remember this moment because you'll wonder if I'm still okay with you. You'll wonder if I've forgiven you, and don't you forget. So we want to get together and break bread together. It's a sacred thing. It's a holy thing. And so it's not just some activity or something that we think is like some great idea. It has depths of meaning. It's community, it's relationship. So that's the verse. Can I read you the very next verse? Because this is where it gets really good. All right. That's verse 42. Here's verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done. They broke bread, they prayed, got together, listened to some teaching. And then it says they were all in awe. Bear in mind, these are the people who watched like Jesus perform miracles, who watched him walk on water. I feel like if they're still in awe, some pretty massive stuff happened. All because they got together. So if you have not signed up, you need to. You can go to our link in our Instagram bio and you just click on it. It'll take you automatically to a page and you just sign up under there. Um, you can go to the hub at the end of the service and just say, hey, I want to sign up for Friendsgiving, and they'll help you take care of that, okay? Um, but be sure you do that tonight because every home has a limited amount. Um, so if you've got a group of people that you want to make sure are all at the same place, uh, then you might want to get together and, and sign up and do the same thing. All right. How many of y'all going to sign up now? Yes? Yes, yeah, I'm talking about. Okay. Well, tonight we're going to close out a series called Paper Tigers, we have talked about stress, pressure, insecurity, emotions. It's just generally been a party, right? Talking about all of those <laughs> really, really fun things to discuss. And what is a paper tiger? A paper tiger is a real phrase. It refers to something that appears to have a lot of power, but really it only has the power you're willing to give to it. It only has the kind of strength that you attribute to it. So when you look at your insecurities or your emotions or your pressure, if they feel bigger to you, then you begin to accommodate your life around the tiger when really you were never meant to be controlled by it. And we started out the series talking about strongholds, when things move from just a problem to having you in chains. So I wanted to conclude the series with sort of a bookend. Um, because the first week we talked about the devil, we talked about the enemy, and it can feel a little overwhelming. Today, I really want to talk to you about what victory looks like. And I want to talk to you about how to get it. Because we can identify these different tigers, and we can spend some time leaning into them and whether or not they're in your life. But no matter what it is for you, no matter what exists for you in this life right now or what is coming down the road for you because you know you will have things down the road. I want to give you some things today that I hope that you could take with you not just this day but for days forward so that you can always have victory in your life. So let's go to the passage that we have had throughout the duration of this series from 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verses 3 through 5, it says, For though we live in the world... We do not wage war as the world does. 
the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, so they, meaning the weapons we fight with, have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Y'all, those are a bunch of big words for saying anything that would defy the power of God. We have the power within us to speak back to. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You all have, if you are a Christian, if you are a believer, and the Holy Spirit is inside of you, which the Holy Spirit is, if you're a believer, you have the power in you to take every single thought captive. It is unfortunate that so often our thoughts take us captive, don't they? We are consumed by our thoughts. We are consumed by the reels that are just on repeat and repeat and repeat. But the Bible promises us that we can take those things captive. There's a better way to live. There's a better way to live. All right, I'm going to show you a picture of something. I don't know if you're going to recognize it. You're going to have to tell me if you recognize it. It's actually leaving a little bit before my time. But I know what it is. But I want to show you what it is. You got it? Do you know what this is? It's a rotary phone. Has anyone in this room ever used a rotary phone? Are you serious? I'm so proud of this room right now. Is it at your grandma's house? <laughs> it's your grandma's house? Yeah, I know. All right. It's at your grandma's house. Now, if you leave the picture up there. Now, if you've never used a rotary phone, let me explain. Um, I showed this to my kids, and my 16-year-old daughter was like, oh, mom, was that in the olden days? Was that like... Like, she literally had no idea what this was. So... Um, the handle on top, you pick it up, and you put it to your ear, and then the bottom part goes to your mouth, and you talk into it. But you're tethered by this cord, right? You can't walk away from it, because then the cord comes unplugged from it, and then you're disconnected. And do you see the little tiny circles? Those are numbers. You don't press them. No, no. You turn them. You spin the wheel. And the worst thing in the world is when the number has multiple zeros in it. Because the zero is actually the final circle, and it takes forever. It's like, right? And it, when you had to use a phone like this, and even later when it moved from this, and then they would hang on the wall, right? And you could pick it up, even when you could push the buttons, but there's a cord, and you're tethered to this machine. And the worst thing was also when you had to get up to answer it. Like, you'd be all, you know, Netflix and chill, whatever y'all do, right? Can I say that? And don't act like you don't know what I mean either. Some of you are like, we don't have any idea what you're talking about. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You were doing it last night, okay? Oh, did I hit a nerve? Y'all okay? Did I hit a nerve? Okay, it's all right. Does it bother you even more if I tell you Jesus can see you? I'm just telling you. <laughs> let, me, let me just help you. Jesus sees you, y'all. Button up. All right, let's move on. Then something else came along after this phone, right? 
there were cell phones, and they came along, and they got rid of the cord, and they got rid of something plugged in the wall, and then you could be anywhere, right? And then, now we have our phones. Now, you don't even have to pick them up. You can simply talk to the phone, and it will do what you want it to, and call, I could, you know, hey, Siri, right? Oh, she's not listening to me. Hey, Siri. She's ghosting me. <laughs> she's not even responding. Right? I don't understand because she'll do it when I'm not even talking to her. Do you, did yours do that? Like if I'm talking to her and she'll do it. There's a word for that kind of girl. Okay. Now, dude, I'm so unfiltered tonight. I've got to get a hold of myself. I've got to get a hold of myself because this goes on a podcast and I'd like to keep my job. So the, that kind of phone that we looked at is so limiting, right? It's very limiting. The phones we have now are really pretty freeing. You can take them anywhere, um, do all kinds of things with them. I find that so many Christians live limited lives. Actually, Christians live as though they're still connected to their grandma's phone when they're offered freedom. Now, why am I using that illustration? Because it's, if I can't, it's, it's really as a poor metaphor, but I wanted to use it. So what I want to talk about today is the Holy Spirit. And when you live empowered by the Holy Spirit, it is very much like moving from being tied up to moving to having freedom and access. There is a better way to live than picking up the rotary phone. There's a better way to live. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says this. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Okay, I want to repeat a part of that, and then I want to ask you a question. It says, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. Now, I just told you that all Christians have the Holy Spirit living within them. So this begs the question, if Christians have the Holy Spirit living within them, why are not more Christians free? Right? If it says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, we shouldn't even have paper tigers that exist in our life. If that verse is true, and I believe that it is, so what happens? What happens to Christians that make them live life like victims still tied to the corded phone? Well, let's dig in and talk about it. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit. The first thing, in order to free you up, in order to be able to battle against the supernatural realm, in order to find freedom, the first thing the Spirit likes to do is call, it's something called pruning. Pruning. P-R-U-N-I-N-G, pruning, and pruning gives space for power. Pruning gives space for power. John 15, John 15 is one of the most powerful passages in all of Scripture. If you get time this week, you could just go to John chapter 15, and you could sit in John chapter 15 every day for just months on end. Here's... Here's a couple verses from it. John 15, verse 1. Jesus is talking, and he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So the father 
comes along to those branches that are attached to the vine, and the vine is Jesus. So if you're attached to the vine as a Christian, you are attached to Jesus, but the Father comes along and to those branches that bear no fruit, what does it say he does? He cuts them off. See, the Holy Spirit prunes the branches in our lives that are bearing no fruit. And he does it so that the other places in our lives can bear more and we're more freed up. We used to have this... um, bush of flowers in front of our house. And I asked my husband, Jeff, who some of you know, so you can just imagine this conversation. Now, Jeff hates yard work. He thinks it's of the devil. And uh, I said to him, I was like, babe, can you please go? I just want you to trim this bush. That's all I want you to do. Please don't kill it. I don't want to come out and have it dead. So Jeff got some pruning shears And went out and did what he thought I had asked. When I came out and looked at it, he had cut it down to the ground. There was nothing. Like, you could go over and you could see sort of the, the, like, it was flat against the ground. I was like, what? Like, do you not, am I speaking Greek? Like, I don't understand. Like, how... How? Why? And he thought he was being helpful. And so I was so mad. I said, you've killed the plant. It's dead because of you. I could be a little dramatic. <laughs> but then the next spring came along. And I kid you not, this thing grew so tall, it reached up to the second story of our house. I was like, that's amazing that you can cut something back until it almost seems dead and like there's no hope for it to ever do anything again and then a year later have something that is so large and so fruitful, these enormous flowers all over it. I was in awe. Sometimes the things you lose in this life that you thought were the best things, sometimes it's the relationship that ends. You know, or it's the job that ends or, you know, it's just something that happens in your life and you actually thought it's what you wanted, but it ends. And it's not a bad thing while it's a painful thing. It's often the pruning so that God can bring you new and fresh and bigger and better in a promised land. And I wonder how many things are in your life that you're holding so tightly to and clinging so tightly to because the very idea of losing them brings about so much pain in your mind. But if you would just let it go, if you just let it go, on the other side of it, God would have something so much better. Pruning, the Holy Spirit prunes so that we'll be forced into utter dependence on God. Have you ever lost something and it ended up being a good thing you lost it? Anyone? Like ever something was left your life and it ended up actually being a really good thing. Cutting away is painful. Our surrender to it makes it clear who we worship. We will cut things out of our life and we will sacrifice for the things that are most important to us. We just will. For example, I was also in awe this last week when we had C12 on Thursday night you know, it goes till 10 or 11. And then Friday night, I don't even know. There was a couple hundred of you here at night of worship, which went late. Yeah. 
And then Saturday night, there was another, I don't know how many solid group of you guys, 50, 60 of you here Saturday night. And then Sunday morning at 11, filling up the whole section again. And I'm watching this, and I'm not just watching this. The church is watching this going, these, um, these young adults are sacrificing their time, their energy, their emotion, their, all of their, themselves to worship the Lord and to lead the church. See, we will sacrifice for the things that are important to us, won't we? We will cut out other things in order to preserve the important things. We will do that. And I would imagine some of you actually said no to good things so that you could be part of the great things. Sometimes it's not even cutting away bad things. It can be cutting away good so that you can get to the great. And the Holy Spirit wants to prune you so that you might bear fruit Fruit of the Holy Spirit. All right, I'm going to test you guys. We're going to see how much you know. All right. Do you know what the fruits of the Spirit are? Do you? Kind of. Kind of. Sort of. We think. All right, I'm going to help you out. There's actually nine. Okay. I will give I will give a $100 Amazon card. Oh. Wait, 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 wait. You don't even know what I'm going to say. Don't think you know what I'm going to say. I will give it Now it's interesting, right? Now you, like what? I will give a $100 Amazon card. You have to do two things. It has to be, no, two things. One, the first person, you have to come up to the end of the, you don't even know, you better wait. You better wait. The first person to do these two things, you have to be able to read the nine fruits of the Spirit out of the passage in the Bible where it's located. Go. You got the Bible? Justin! Okay, okay, okay. You don't even have it. Do you have it? He has it. No, he's got it. He's got it. Justin, no, stay here. Stay here. Justin, come up here. You don't even have it. He has it. You come up here, you flip it. You don't even have it. Okay. All right. What's your name? Eli. All right. I'm Heather. Nice to meet you. All right, Eli. Let's, all right. Let's focus. All right, Eli. Read them to me. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Uh, oh, you lost your red? <laughs> Love your neighbors. Dude, I'm old, Eli. Hold on just a second. Okay. I can say in Spanish. You can say in Spanish? Dude, I'm going to give you a $200 Amazon card. <laughs> Like, he found it in the Bible, he can say it in English, he can say it in Spanish. Are you kidding me? Okay. Oh, you know what, dude? Okay, yeah, here it is, right here. Okay, ready? Read it to me. 
You, you want help? You got it? Yeah. Love. Love. Joy. Peace. For, I don't know the word in English. Forbearance. Nope, you're good. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Gentleness. Self-control. Yes, give him a hand. Good. Yes. Dude, no, I don't have the card with me at the moment. I'm going to give it to you, though. All right? Have a seat. Thank you so much. You never know. Welcome to C12. You got to pay attention. All right. These are the things, these are the things that the Holy Spirit wants to produce in you. These are the things. These are the things that he wants to prune other things so that these might grow. So I want us to look at what the things are that have to be pruned in order to get here. All right? Love. What might you think is the opposite of love? No. Fear. Good. Fear. Because why don't people love? Because they're afraid. They're afraid. They're afraid of being hurt. They're afraid of being vulnerable. They're afraid of risking. They're afraid that those people over there or that person over there is going to somehow infringe upon the kind of life they want to live. It's fear. Joy. What do you think? Okay. Go deeper than sad. Harder, right? Hopeless. Hopeless. Peace. What's the opposite of peace? Worry, anxiety. Okay, does anyone know what forbearance means? <laughs> I'm going to give you another word. Patience. Control. Control. Can I get an amen from those of you, like myself, who like to control things? You lack patience because whatever's not happening according to your timeline is beyond your control. You want to make it work on your timeline and you can't. The opposite isn't impatient. It's control. Kindness. I'm going to give you two levels of it, okay? I'm going to say thoughtless because I think thoughtless is probably a fairly superficial opposite of kindness. Someone like, you're not kind, you're thoughtless, right? But I think that, um, especially I watch our culture today in our world, and what I actually see is, is cruelty. I actually see people using words and actions in a cruel manner against people, against groups of people. Kindness is not some kind of soft word. 
Y'all, if we could just actually be just kind to people, whether you agree with them or not, whether you get along with them or not, whether they've hurt you or not, whether you, I mean, it just doesn't matter if you could just be kind. We could actually change quite a bit of the world, I think. Goodness. All right, what do you think? By the way, it's not badness. It's not even a word. It's not even a word, y'all. Okay? Here it is. You ready? Unethical. Dishonorable. Unethical and dishonorable. This would be when the Holy Spirit wants to work out the integrity in your life. The character in your life. He wants the fruit of goodness to grow. Faithfulness, not too tough. This is disloyalty. Gentleness. I'm going to give you two levels again. I'm going to say rough. And then I'm going to say arrogant. You're not gentle with people, grace-filled with people when you're arrogant. When you think in any way, shape, or form that you're better than anyone. And it's so easy for us to say we don't, well, of course I don't think I'm better than anyone. Really? There's literally never a person or a thing or a time that you've looked at someone else and said, whew, God, I'm not them. Self-control. It's the worst one, too. hate it when the Holy Spirit works with me on this one. Right? Self-control. Impulsive. Uncontrolled. Impulsive and uncontrolled. So whatever you want in the moment. It doesn't matter the consequences. But we are behavior-focused people. We don't focus on this. We don't tend to focus on asking the Lord to develop these things in us. Probably at most, we might pray for patience or self-control, but then we get upset when God actually does things in our life that might force us to develop that. So we don't love to pray for these things. We are behavior-focused, which means we ask questions like, what job should I take instead of, what kind of person do I need to be to enter that career? We say, what should I do instead of who should I be? We say, when do I get married or am I a person worth marrying? Because believe this, y'all, this stuff doesn't get easier when you're married. You got to live with someone 24 hours a day. (laughs) And all they're crazy and everybody's got crazy. Some more than others, but we all have it. I get more questions from people in ministry. I get more questions from people all over this church about what they should do. Very few questions about how to be a better person. Always looking for direction, rarely looking for what it means to be in stronger affection with the Lord. How do you know where these where you're at with these kinds of things? Look at the kinds of re- responses you tend to give. What do you do when you're treated unfairly? 
What do you do when someone or something doesn't do right by you? What do you do when you have to wait? What do you do when things get hard? One of the things I like to tell people when they come and talk to me about dating, like should they date someone, I always think, so this is for free, write this down, this is so important. (laughs) Write this down. I don't think you should ever go out with anyone until you know how they are when they go through something hard. Well, how am I supposed to know if they go through something hard if I'm not dating them? Okay, because you can wait a hot minute and watch. Okay? What do they do? Are they drama all the time? Do they depend on the Lord? What do they do? Have they ever experienced anything difficult in their life? And how did they come through? It's really, really important that you know how someone experiences difficulty before you hit your wagon to them. The Holy Spirit wants to develop this in you. And can I tell you something? Everybody wants the power of the Holy Spirit. Heck yeah. Everybody wants the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's go heal some people, right? Let's go raise some people from the dead. Remember that week? Talked about that? Let's go do some miracles. Let's go, let's have some power so that I can conquer the things in this life. Everybody wants the power, but you are so mistaken if you think power comes before pruning. You will be weak spiritually if you do not allow pruning to take place. If you don't allow the sin and those circumstances to be pruned out of your life. If you don't even allow some of the good things in your life that you've clung to for a sense of control to be pruned out of your life so that you might have better. Pruning gives gives space in you for power. Here's the prayer you need to pray. Less of me, more of him. Less of me, more of him. Less of me, more of him. And you pray it till you mean it. Because I don't know that we always mean it. Less of me, more of him. Less of me, more of him. Only when, you, when that's your heartfelt prayer will you experience more power of the Holy Spirit. Let's talk about power. You want to? Power. 1 Corinthians 2.15 says this. Spirit can only be known by spirit. You have a spirit, and there's a Holy Spirit. So your spirit can only be known by the Holy Spirit. God's spirit in our spirits in open communion, spiritually alive. We have access to everything God's spirit is doing. Our spirit connected to the Holy Spirit. The strength of your spirit is a reflection of your connection to the Holy Spirit. So let me do this. I wanted, I'm, again, trying to think of a way to somehow like um, illustrate what the difference is between people who have the Holy Spirit and people who are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Very big difference. If you're a believer, the Holy Spirit is in you. So can you all see this? If you can't, I don't know how to do this. The front, can you all see? Okay. All right. This is a packet of Alka-Seltzer. You all have seen the commercial, right? You know what it does. So when so many of you gave your life to Jesus at some point, you prayed and you asked the Lord to come into your life, to forgive you of your sins, and you said, and I want to follow you for the rest of my life, right? When that happened, 
At the moment that that happened, the Holy Spirit came in and dwelled within you. In you. The Holy Spirit's in you. Now, is, metaphorically speaking, the Holy Spirit doing all that it can do right now? Is it, has it saturated all that it is inside of? Is it really even providing any medicinal or helpful impact? No. See, you can have the Holy Spirit in you and not be experiencing the Holy Spirit. That's good. You should write that down too. It can be in you, but not filling you. Now, if the Holy Spirit is doing what the Holy Spirit is intended to do, then what happens, right? Over time, and it's not always immediate, but it begins to saturate, doesn't it? It begins to saturate, it begins to fill, it begins to take everything that it is inside of and take up all this space until eventually, actually even right now, it's not even done, but even right now, if I took a drink of this, I would taste it, right? I would taste this Alka-Seltzer if I took a drink of it right now because the entirety of the water is filled. That's filled with the Holy Spirit. This is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. This is when you allow the Holy Spirit to do the work in you so that he can move through you in power. You can't forsake this and want that. If you want that, this is first. But I would say this, they go hand in hand. So the long, because this doesn't all happen right away, right? You don't, you don't come to Jesus and then you're just all, you have it all. No, it's a journey. It's a process. The Holy Spirit is transforming us every day, all the time. You learn a little, you apply a little, you grow a little, and that's how it works. We want to make it more complicated than that, but it's not. It's learn a little, apply a little, grow a little. And then you start over. Learn a little, apply a little, grow a little, until you are completely consumed. And the power that exists when you are consumed by the Holy Spirit is unstoppable. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you could do things like pray over someone and they're healed. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you could come, you can have a conversation with someone and they're coming at you and you can have the sharpness of discernment to know you're lying to me or you're not lying to me. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you can pick somebody out in a crowd and know that you need to go tell them about Jesus. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have the wisdom and the ability to know which way do I go, which direction do I turn, because the Holy Spirit is filling you. You have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Y'all, this is what full life looks like. This is full life. The full life Jesus came to offer, this is it. It's completely transformed. This was just water a couple minutes ago. It's not anymore. That is. That is not even very hard to take it back to what it was, right? It's not even that hard. Genesis 1 1. 
I'm gonna have the band come on up here as I go into this. Genesis 1-1, look at this, guys. In the beginning. Genesis 1-1, the very beginning of the Bible, page one, right? In the beginning, who created the heavens and the earth? Who? The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Who was hovering? Okay. We weren't there, but I know you have an imagination, and I want you to use it. I want you to imagine the God of the universe, out of his great love, decided to create the world and humanity And he was going to do it over the course of a week. So he created the earth, this sort of ball that just was a dark, a darkness. And then it says, and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So if you can, try and imagine. I don't know what the Holy Spirit looks like in your mind. I kind of have this idea of what the Holy Spirit looks like in my mind. Do whatever you want. But I just imagine the Holy Spirit quite literally hovering over the waters, just waiting for the word from the Father. Knowing exactly what they were about to do, exactly what the Holy Spirit was about to manifest, that he just waits. Isaiah 40, 12. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? The Holy Spirit knows the weight of the earth. The Holy Spirit knows the weight of a mountain. And it's saying, who do we think we are that we could advise the Holy Spirit? Who do we think we are that we could question the Holy Spirit? This is, the Holy Spirit is God. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't God Jr. The Holy Spirit is the one that manifested creation the moment the Father spoke. And the Holy Spirit is in you. But I don't know if he's filling you. And tonight, I don't want you to leave here without allowing the Holy Spirit to do some pruning in your life, without allowing the Holy Spirit to press in. And can I tell you something? Every single one of us have stuff to be pruned. There is not a person in this room, myself included, who has arrived. It might be sin, blatant sin. It could be hidden sin. It could be sin that the Holy Spirit just needs to make you newly aware of. It might be not be something you've been doing. It might be something you're not doing, and he's been trying to tell you to do it, and you won't do it. It might be one of these things, and you know you actually are living over here full of fear or hopelessness or worry or control. Maybe you know you're thoughtless and you're cruel. If you don't know if you're thoughtless, All you have to know is if anyone has ever said that to you. 
Has anyone ever said to you, that's cruel, that's thoughtless, you're mean, unethical, lie, cheat, manipulate, do whatever you have to do to get what you want, say whatever you have to say, just straight dishonorable, are you disloyal? Do you gossip? Because that's disloyalty. Do you talk about people that aren't present? Do you hope, I'm gonna press in a minute. You have friends that you hope fail because you're jealous. And you'd never say it out loud and I'm not judging you, believe that, but it's real. arrogant there are people you look at and you go at least I'm not that I'm better than that I'm better than them I would never impulsive lack of control so we've talked about the night of worship and there were a couple of them and um And Jeff and I, you know, at the end of the night of worship, there were teams of us, and we were a team that was there to pray over people that would want prayer. And so we stayed until very, very, very late. We hours of the morning praying over people that stood in line literally for hours to be prayed over our team and and other teams. And um, we saw God do supernatural things. We saw a man's arm that was broken not be broken anymore. We saw cancer be healed. I prayed with a girl, young girl, who came up and very vaguely just said, I just need you to pray over my struggles. And I said, what? What struggles? And she says, I don't want to say it out loud. And I said, I think you need to say it out loud. She said, I've never said it out loud. I go, well, you're going to right now. (laughs) And why would I push? Because it's the pruning, y'all. If you're not willing to get it out and let the Holy Spirit cut it off, His power can't fill you. And I knew that about her. And I said, you have to say it. And so she began to say it. And I said, don't tell me, tell God. And so she started saying, dear Lord. And she started confessing things. And I got to tell you, they were pretty dark. I know why she's never said them. They're real dark. And as she did it, she started to break. And she started to sob. 
And my arms around her and I was holding her up because she couldn't hold herself up and she just prayed and sobbed and prayed and sobbed. And then I began to pray a healing prayer over her that God would heal her spiritually as he'd healed people physically. And he did. Within just a few minutes of praying, all of a sudden her shoulders straighten and her head picks up and she looks at me in the eyes and she goes, wow. She goes, wow, wow. And her eyes were clear. But here's what I discovered. This is why I'm telling you what I'm telling you. Because what I learned is that the people who came up for prayer that were willing to be broken, that were willing to be vulnerable and to be honest and to get it out and stop hiding and finally come to the end of themselves and stop through pride thinking, well, I can just take care of it because that's pride or I can just do this or I shouldn't tell anybody or I don't need to burden anybody. Like the people that were willing to stop doing that are the ones that God's power moved in and through. There is nothing strong about hiding. God says, in your weakness, I am strong. So so many, I watch you come in and you've got these like barriers up and you've got this facade on your face and you think you look so controlled. It doesn't doesn't, uh, convince the Lord. It doesn't convince the Holy Spirit. I joked earlier that Jesus sees you, but y'all, he does. And I mean, he sees your face. I mean, he sees your soul. So we prayed over tonight and I've prayed that God would unleash a spirit of brokenness in this place. Because none of us have arrived and humility has no place. Pride has no place in this place. So I want to go into a time of prayer. I think we're just going to tag back and forth a little bit. And during worship tonight, I felt a prompt from the Lord that I'd felt earlier today and said no to. But during the middle of worship, It was just so strong on me tonight that I just couldn't deny it. And so we're going to offer it tonight. We're going to offer prayer over you tonight, if you would like it. What that means is as we go into a little bit of worship and we go into a time of prayer, If there would be anything in your life that you would feel like you just can't get rid of, it's a tiger, it's that paper tiger in your life, and the Holy Spirit isn't freed up to move inside of you. The Holy Spirit just isn't, um, you have not allowed him to prune you, and so you don't experience the power, and you're just desperate enough. You're desperate enough to come to the end of yourselves, then we're going to invite you up here to be prayed over as we worship. So I'm going to need some of my leaders in here. Trevor, uh, Alex, if you're up for that. Um, Sierra, I'm going to make you come off the stage. Kevin, you mind? Where's Rachel Meek? 
Actually, if I got, if a C12 leadership team, if you would just come on up and be a part of it. And most of you are thinking, great, I don't know how to do this. You're going to be fine. Let's spread out around the room. You're too close. And go up there. Go up there. I'm going to let the Lord do his work in you. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit work. And if you need to borrow, if you need to borrow some power so that you might experience more power, that's what this is about. Does that make sense? If you need to borrow some power so that you might experience more freedom, that's what this is about. So would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, I just have a great sense that you're looking at this room and you see your, you see your children and you see some of them so enchained and you see some of them so bound and you see some of them that you have such freedom for and such greatness for. And they're caught up in generational cycles. They're caught up in sin. They're caught up in apathy, complacency. They're caught up in those things that we wrote down of despair, such despair, depression, anxiety, cruelty. There are people in this room that struggle with anger and they lash out. There are people in this room that know they use other people. You've been using other people in your dating relationships, in your friendships. Some of you are guilty of manipulation. Control. And y'all, I don't say, I'm not judging. I'm just not. My heart is that you'd all be free. That's our heart, that you'd all be free because you're so loved. Would you ask the Holy Spirit right now to just impress upon you anything, anything in your life that he wants to prune, anything, just ask him and listen as he speaks. This is how I fight my battle. 
you come if you need prayer.
Like I call all these leaders up here to pray and here's what I know, because I know what's going on in a lot of their lives and I know a lot of them have struggles in their own lives. I'm pretty confident that half of them would like to ask for prayer themselves. By the way, leaders, if that's one of you, feel free to do that. And what I also know is that they can pray over people in the midst of their battle because they know what it's like to have the Holy Spirit working and enabling them to do what they cannot do themselves. Sometimes, sometimes when you feel like you don't have it in you, and you, you love the Lord and, and you know the Holy Spirit, but you're just in a dry spiritual season. Maybe you just feel a little numb. It's not because there's any great sin in your life. It's not because there's any great terrible thing. You're just in a winter kind of spiritual season and that's okay. And that happens. That happens. So one thing I've learned is that in the midst of those seasons and in the midst of the good seasons, no matter what season you're in, I've learned that worship is, it's like a supernatural medicine to your soul. And it gives you words to declare when you feel them and words to declare when you don't. It provides you a path to walk on no matter where you find yourself. And I think that when, I think when believers worship and pray, it strengthens the power of the angel armies that fight on our behalf. That's why even if you don't feel it, you do it anyway. Because even if you don't feel strong, it's certainly doing something in the supernatural world. So we're going we're gonna to sing another worship song. And it's like one of our favorites. <laughs> but I want to say this. In the midst of this, if you want prayer, you can still come for prayer. Leaders, if you need prayer, you know, you can grab another leader and receive prayer. If you're sitting in your seat, you still want prayer. There are people all around the room in the back of the room. So you could do that too. But let's make the most of this moment and let's raise a hallelujah. Yes. Yeah. All right, C12, you got to help us. <laughs>